Rising in the darkness of a chilly morning and hurriedly pulling on jodhpurs in a warm sweater, Eddie brewed coffee and reflected happily on his dinner last night with Charles Tunney and Eddie's main employer, Broger Cates. Broger owned the training stables in the surrounding estate. He retained Eddie to ride for him, and Charles Tunney to train his string of twenty-two horses. Broger also owned the flat Eddie lived in on the top floor of a converted barn overlooking the yard. Last night, the multimillionaire owner had declared himself in the market for ten more horses. He told her surprised and delighted Charles his budget stretched to five hundred thousand pounds. That could buy four or five decent types, which might carry Eddie to a dozen more wins a season. Eddie sipped black coffee and reached to touch wood at the thought that yesterday's winner promised a turn of luck. Ten minutes later, he was speeding south to Lambourne to fulfil his promise to Matt Nash. Matt laboured in the lower ranks of the training profession. Many thought him a fool whose optimism had long ago boiled over into delusion. They said Matt proclaimed talent in every animal he handled, just in case he ever turned out to be right. Eddie, quick to recognise a fellow underdog, liked Matt and rolled for him whenever bookings allowed. At 7.56am, Eddie steered his blue Audi into Matt's driveway and parked close to the house. The front door looked freshly painted in a searing lemon gloss, which reflected the bright morning sun into Eddie's narrowed eyes. He knocked and turned the handle. Locked. Surprised, he stepped back, then hammered with the heel of his hand. Come on, Matt, you lazy sod. Get up! In black joppers, ankle-length boots and a yellow sweater, Eddie stood swinging his riding helmet and whip. If he'd been a couple of paces to his left, he'd have seen the edge of the curtain move behind the kitchen window. A few seconds later, the door opened. Matt stood, white-faced, wiping his mouth with a tea towel. He too wore jodhpurs and his ankle boots were of black rubber. A blue open-necked polo shirt showed bushy chest hair. As the tea towel swung, it revealed vomit stains on the front of the shirt. "'What's wrong?' Eddie asked. Dazed and silent, Matt tottered backward, opening the door slowly wider. Eddie went up the two stone stairs and into the kitchen. Matt closed the door and locked it. Out of the sunlight now, Eddie saw Matt's ghost-like pallor. He took him by the arm and sat him on a bench close to the sink. Vomit blocked the plug hole. Dishes and cutlery lay askew on the white worktop. Shattered glass glittered like a galaxy on the night-black floor tiles. Eddie filled a mug with water. Matt drank. Eddie watched the faraway look in his dark eyes as the trainer raised his head, wild hair tumbling aside as he emptied the glass. Matt wiped his mouth and tried to smile. Sorry, Eddie. Slight, unexpected contratomps with some of my creditors. Was just throwing up when you knocked. Excuse the mess. Who? What happened? Did they beat you up? Only mentally. Have... have a look in the living room. And he swung his legs clear of the bench and walked through the open door. Although he lived alone, Matt liked style and expensive furniture. Eddie surveyed the room. Patches of blood had been daubed on the pale yellow walls and on the hide-covered sofa and chairs. Three of the four rugs on the polished floorboards were bloodstained. The severed head of Matt's King Charles Spaniel, Ginty, lay against the leg of the coffee table, empty eyes fixed on Eddie.
Jinty's body, battered and wrung free of blood, hung from the pale blue shade of the standard lamp in the corner. Eddie returned to the kitchen. Matt, tears rising, looked at him. Eddie put a hand on his shoulder, then sat opposite him. Have you called the police? Matt shook his head slowly and dabbed at the first tear. Why not? Matt shrugged helplessly like a child, sounding like one too as he stifled sobs, trying to speak. Matt, tell me what happened.